This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Pizza and Parsecs. I'm Dave. I'm Liv. I'm not going to waste any time here. We've got some very special guests on the show today, Liv. I know. Oh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so stoked. Reb is here. <laughs> <laughs> and her, her friends. <laughs> I know we have Reb in our show. Hi! <laughs> so some of you folks may know that I do another podcast with my besties over on The Dress Space. And today we are hashtag blessed and highly favored. To have them here with us today. Drift Space, G, Reb, JR, thank you guys so much for being here today. Of course, man. How long have we been trying to do this? Like a year? No, no. About right. uh, a year's uh, how long we've been on the air. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've just been le- leeching off Dave's pi- popularity, really. Uh, you mean yeah, my wife's? I've been leeching off Dave's popula- popularity, too. <laughs> Doesn't it taste so good? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Well, we're so stoked to have you guys here. Real quick, uh, right here at the top of the episode, where can people find you guys? All right, well, I'm G. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at GManMysterioid. And you can check out my subset called Deferential Wrath of Arresting Markalite Cannon at Markalite. Which I hear is fake. Dot com right uh fake uh news and uh also where you can find uh everything about kaiju monster godzilla etc 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 which, which is, is also fake i gotta learn to stop drinking water at these moments we're just drinking water in general. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I'm JR. You can find me on Instagram where I do cosplays uh, of any kind of nature at Little Man Cosplay. I'm also on Twitter where I rant about whatever I feel like, mostly Power Rangers and old school cartoons. That is Little Man Says underscore one. And I'm Rebecca or Reb, whichever you like to call me. If you want to check out my artwork, you can find me on the Linktree app, linktr.ee slash reb.hudge, and check out the new artwork for Drift Space Season 2. Hope you like it. Yeah, so we do the show, The Drift Space. Uh, you can find it at bit.ly slash tdslinks. You can also hit us up on socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc., at The Drift Space. Uh, you know, we love interacting and hearing from everyone. And uh, we hope, you know, we hope uh, the popularity of pizza and parsecs will spring us into stardom even further. <laughs> yeah, really popular over here. Well, Liv's president, so she can make pretty much anything happen. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's not waste any time here. Let's not bury the lead. Today, we are talking the Snyder Cut. <laughs> but... Folks, if you're here over on Pizza and Parsecs, this is only part two of this discussion. If you want to hear part one, you just heard the links here. Head on over to the Drift Space episode 26 to hear part one of our discussion. With that, let's continue. Pick up where we left off, guys. Can I bring up one mo- one thing about Wonder Woman? Well, we haven't even touched anybody else yet, so yes, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the Amazons. Right. Um, and I, we've, we might've mentioned Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. but we haven't really talked about Wonder Woman as a character yet. So Liv, I, I know that you have thoughts yes. here. You're, you're chomping at the bit. You're begging me on while we're on mute, like to talk about Wonder Woman That's over here. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. She has a bat gun to my head. I do not. The lasso of truth. No, that one maybe. Lasso of Hestia. <laughs> Compels you to tell the truth. And yes. Liv, I will turn it over to you to talk about Wonder Woman here. Um, and I'm, I'm going to keep this relatively brief as possible. But I do want to just say I love the development of Wonder Woman's powers in Justice League 
and I am going to pull Wonder Woman and 84 into this, we get to see an almost completely in her prime Wonder Woman really coming into her own, knowing who she is, what kind of superhero she's going to be, and what her powers are, like what she's capable of doing with her powers. And I think the prime moment is the terrorist attack when she saves the the school kids. The black clad terrorist attack, yeah. Yeah. Um, we get to see her zip through and in 12 seconds, not only disarm almost every single one of the terrorists, but take the bomb, throw it in the sky and then come back and block every single bullet, except for one where she moves the kid over. And that's fine too. Like that was super cool. <laughs> that was so sick. Oh my God. <laughs> Better. Dude, Wonder Woman. Come on, Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, but it, it's not just that either. Um, if we look at, Wonder Woman 84, and we look at the first scene where we see Wonder Woman come in and she stops the the, the jewelry robbers. Um, she looks at the little girl and kind of gives her the shh moment, basically making this kind of known that she wants to continue to be a secret. She doesn't want people to really idolize Wonder Woman and be this kind of figure um, in in the in the the world. And Again, trying not to compare too much, but in the theatrical version, we see a lot more of that hesitancy to be out in the public and still not wanting to be a full on like, I'm going to be a superhero who shakes hands with everyone and says, hey, how you doing? But I really loved this moment after she disarms and kind of basically blows up the main guy and all you get is his hat with her awesome gauntlets where she is like touching each child saying, hey, are you okay? Come on, it's okay. You can stand up now. You can get up. And there's that one little girl. I cried both times I watched this part. There's that one little girl and she sits there and she seems kind of still scared. And she's like, are you doing okay, princess? And she looks at Wonder Woman and she says, can I be like you one day? And she tells her you can be whatever you want. Just the development of Wonder Woman being Wonder Woman and wonderful and just a gorgeous, wonderful human being. <laughs> that is all. I have nothing to add. And nobody can t- change my mind that Wonder Woman is amazing. I feel like we should play the song from uh, Wicked here. It feels wonderful. <laughs> they called me wonderful. It's, I yeah. Uh, Liv and I are about to come blows again. I, I was actually, I love Wonder Woman. I love Wonder Woman. <laughs> And and moreover, I think Gail Gadot is is perfect for yeah the character like like she that's some of the most incredible casting uh, since Christopher Reeve's Superman. I'm feeling uh, there's a butt coming on. Oh, there's a definite butt. You know, she she was the brightest part of Batman versus Superman. Quite literally, the only watchable force in that movie for me. And as disappointed as I was with Wonder Woman 1984, the movie uh, mostly wow. Um, <laughs> Mostly worked as long as she was on screen because she just has that charisma. She has that kind of endearing screen presence about her. This movie, she wasn't quite as enchanting in this. And I found a lot of scenes with her very insincere, like the beginning with the whole, what was the black clad? Yes. What are they called, Dave? Okay. The black clad Uh, Paris group. Okay. So she tells the little girl, you know, you can be anything you want to be. While a crater of brain matter bleeds out of the wall behind her where she smashed some dude's head against. And I'm, you can, you, anything you want to be, including a mutilating murderer, you can be anything you want to be. <laughs> I, mean, I just can't believe, and this is more of a, a shot thing. I can't believe the choice to keep that blood spatter against a crater in the frame <laughs> while she told this little girl that it just came off as disingenuous. I couldn't help but laugh at it. I thought it was funny. I can't <laughs> help but uh, think of that <laughs> one part in Deadpool where he, he, in the beginning, he everything is destroyed because of him and Colossus and the other kid were other mutant kid was like, nobody got hurt. And then, then some corpse just falls down from the ground and goes, that was already no, there. Mimpered corpse like falls. Yeah, I kind of I, I was getting it's funny you mentioned that I was getting similar vibes as I was watching that scene. I was just like, well, you can be, you can be anything you want to be. That was already there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was just really funny to me. I was just anything you want to be. I'm like, no, 
<laughs> she absolutely blew some guys some guys brains out against the wall. <laughs> well, to be fair, their brains were going to be blown to bits either. Too. This is true. This is very anything true. you want to be. <laughs> but yeah, the- Wonder Woman, you just kill anything, anything you want to be. Gold bug. <laughs> <laughs> Liv, I'm sorry, but I, I really do appreciate Wonder Woman and how she was uh, th- throughout that whole s- sequence. And I, I, re- I really did like how, how she uh, told that girl, you can be anything you want to be. Uh, very heartfelt, sincere. I, anything I still you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Godzilla sucks, so I don't care. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> The the one thing I that I'll touched a nerve. <laughs> You're angry, so we're gonna let that go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, can't wait for to hear more hot takes on Godzilla in the future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes. <laughs> the one thing I'll say about Wonder Woman in this is, you know, I love Wonder Woman. Let me start off by saying that, but I feel like you know this is not a movie where she is front and center and like i don't feel like wonder woman is is the most important character in here i feel like of all the character development we get hers is the weakest in the in the (laughs) scope of this movie which makes sense because we have at the time of this movie we already have wonder woman yeah you know patty jenkins told a great story there yeah so i don't feel like we needed as much character development where i do feel like we had some very strong development when thinking about the Amazons is just the Amazons in general, which I think we needed. We, yeah. We, yeah. we live, you talked about earlier Hippolyta and, you know, actually experiencing her heartbreak mm-hmm. as the, the temple or the vault, you know, crashes into the ocean around Themyscira, uh, actually experiencing the heartache mm-hmm. and seeing Connie Nielsen's performance there. Like that was absolutely beautiful. Un, like understanding more about the Amazonian culture. I feel like we get a little bit more development out of the Amazons in this. And, you know, the more I watch the Amazons on screen, the more I'm like, I feel like Zach and Deb Snyder, like talking about the Amazons were like, Deb says to Zach, you know that movie you made a few years ago about all those half naked men? Uh, there were 300 <laughs> of them. What if they were all women and there were more of them? <laughs> And they were all awesome. And, they still and I are. feel like that's how the Amazons were born. <laughs> Which it, is awesome. You make a good point. Like it, it almost as if the Amazons was kind of an extension of the Wonder Woman character in this movie. And I didn't mind that Wonder Woman, her character didn't go through much of a journey in this film. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I just felt that she had more of that charisma in Batman versus Superman, in Wonder Woman, in Wonder Woman 1984. And I didn't even like that movie. I think I liked this cut of justice league more than that movie but i don't know what happened here i'm not entirely sure maybe it was the way she was shot maybe it was because there wasn't enough time given to her i'm not entirely certain and it's funny because one of the my more favorite scenes uh with diana was actually in the theatrical cut it wasn't here it was her her uh, moment with bruce after they resurrected superman and i've always loved the the bruce diana relationship to begin with I really like the idea that, you know, there's all these super powered men involved with this thing. But the one she kind of takes to the most is the guy without powers. Wasn't in this cut, wasn't really needed in this cut either. But uh, there just there wasn't a lot of her to exude that kind of charisma that we've seen in previous films. You know, that's that's one thing I enjoyed about this movie that. They, they've gone away from in the comic books. They've kind of started comparing or pairing uh, Superman and Wonder Woman. And I think that's just blasphemy because of what G was saying. And since we're talking about superheroes and who is our favorite, Batman, obviously, because he's the one who brought all these, for lack of a better word, gods together. And he's still in there holding his own. I mean, literally got thrown by uh, Superman into a car, probably broke a few bones in his back, held a gauntlet while Superman is uh, trying to kill him with his heat beam, 
then the gauntlet breaks, and he's still holding off the heat beam. I mean, come on. How, how is this a debate? Batman's awesome in this movie. How can ever, anybody just say, oh, well, you know, Superman was pretty cool. Uh, Batman. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone's going to here is going to disagree with you. I still no, don't think this version of Batman is very good. I don't I don't like Batfleck and I'm absolutely confused as to how people call this the best on-screen Batman. Maybe maybe visually because he does, you know, I guess he looks like he stepped out of a comic book page or whatnot, but uh Batfleck still doesn't work after he, all the time. He, Yeah, he still doesn't work for me. I still prefer Michael Keaton. Well, always. And uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Or Christian Bale. Yeah, here, they they just got an actor too big for the part, I feel like. You know, you're right. He does look like he just stepped off a comic book page. Because, you know, at the end there, he's holding on to the tank. I'm like, oh, Batman year one. Well, not just that, but, you know, they have... For for whatever reason, Affleck looks better, looks bigger in his bat suit because they got all these pillows stuffed in in his costume. Um, but there's no armor, right? Mm-hmm. There's just kind of the gray material with the the black bat symbol and the black cape and everything. He looks great, but not, we're kind of getting into you know mistakes that were made in Batman versus Superman. The fact is, he is Batman in this universe in this iteration. This is what we've got. I, I think they did the best with, with what they had. I, <laughs> I'll give them that. Uh, and you're right. You know, Batman does take on like the the biggest challenges, regardless of what powers he does or does not have. They, they kind of made it seem like he wasn't so much on a suicide run in this cut of the movie. But let's be honest, he he was borderline on a suicide run uh, going into the final battle of this movie. Yeah, the one thing that I'll touch on with 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 Batfleck here. <laughs> At least he right. didn't kill as much as time in this movie. This is my complaint. Uh he should have <laughs> killed more. <laughs> um I I think I, I like Batfleck a lot because the version of Batman we're getting in here is more akin to the Dark Knight Returns. And that's probably one of my favorite adaptations or uh, time periods in 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 the batman sagas right i mean so much so that even in in one of the nightmare sequences you see the tank from the dark knight returns so i think the right it is explicitly written out for us that the version of batman you're seeing here is probably closely more, more closely aligned to what you see in the dark knight returns where batman is built like a linebacker mm-hmm. he's he's much bigger he looks like he could actually, you know, beat up everyone, um, which I don't think that's where Batman should rest. You know, Batman is first and foremost the world's greatest detective. That is what Batman is. I always would like to see more of that mm-hmm. to, than, you know, a standard Batman kicking butt, if that makes sense. No, and I, I completely agree. Like visually, he looks like he's really stepped off the page. I know Snyder was really aping on the whole Dark Knight Returns mythos when he was creating this version of Batman. I think for this movie, he was pulling back from that a little bit more because the one in Batman versus Superman was not a fan of. Just the mass killing he committed in that. and He was a little too bloodthirsty. Yeah, it was a little too bloodthirsty. He was not inspiring. Of course, the only the only hero inspiring in Batman versus Superman was Wonder Woman. In this movie, he's he's definitely pulled back from that. I mean, we only see him kill off the the what the parademons, the, the Chitari, right? And whoa, the- <laughs> whoa, <laughs> hold the, hold the phone. And that's been an episode of Pizza and Parsecs. I live. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh and that's you know they're not human they're creatures whatever fine kill them off uh <laughs> that sounded terrible but i really didn't. and, and, and then <laughs> kill them kill them all, kill all. <laughs> the boo box but you know it, it's just that when batman's mowing down people in a van down by the river uh in in batman versus superman you're, i'm sitting there kind of cringing a little bit but when he's taking out giant insect creatures i'm like well 
no one likes insects. Uh, so <laughs> it was, it, it just felt like he was pulling back from that a bit more. And we have the line, my favorite line probably in there is, you know, faith, Alfred, faith, where he's, he's becoming more optimistic. And, yes. and I enjoyed that take. We were getting, we were edging a little bit closer to the Batman we all know and love, but it's still Batfleck for me. Okay. I think that's a good place to sort of transition from our heroes to the big bads. That's right. We're talking all about the dark sides, the Steppenwolfs, the parademons, the apocalypses. There's big bads aplenty in the Snyder Cut. Let's be real here. And for me, at least, like the interpersonal dynamics between them felt very layered and super interesting. So what did we think about the villains here, guys? I want more Lex Luthor. I said it. Come at me. Okay. I don't care. I just You're wrong. <laughs> Godzilla sucks. You're still okay. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me kind of get things kicked off here because I feel like, you know, this is the first on-screen adaptation that we have from Dark Side here. Live action. So, yeah, for 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 live action. So, who is Dark Side? Darkseid was created by the visionary and legendary writer-artist Jack Kirby. Now, Darkseid is nephew to another uh, character that we see in Justice League, Steppenwolf. That's right, Steppenwolf is Darkseid's uncle, which makes (laughs) the dynamic between the two of them all the more interesting. But basically, without getting into too much detail here, Darkseid rose up through the ranks on Apocalypse and strategically maneuvered himself into positions of power, eventually finding himself as the leader of Apocalypse. So what can the dude do? Why is he so bad? First of all, dude can control minds. Uh, He's got these psionic abilities. He can bend an entire plant to his will. And he's, of course, got Omega Beams. Guys, we got to see Omega Beams in here. That was so happy. Oh my gosh, so cool. He's got Omega Beans, but that's actually sort of a subset of what's called the Omega Effect that he has. And the beams, of course, as we saw in this movie, iconically travel and trace to find and disintegrate their target, which for me just felt like Zack Snyder was giving me a giant DC happy hug when he put those in that underwater sequence with Darkseid and Aquaman. Like, oh, that was awesome. So part of the other thing with the Omega effect is he can also use those beams to resurrect, and they can also be used to teleport things across space and time. But Darkseid's primary motivation here is to possess and conquer, which I think is, you know, fairly clear. We can all see and understand that watching the Sire Cut we even hear about his conquests and turning planets in, into dust. He becomes especially invested uh, in this thing called the anti-life equation, which I feel like Diana pre- pretty, gives a pretty good explain like I'm five in uh, the Snyder Cut. So I, I love that we actually got to see Darkseid in here. Uh, instantly recognizable, especially when looking at a side-by-side with Jack Kirby's New Gods and what we see in the Snyder Cut. Just such an iconic character. And I feel like it'd be really easy to give us too much of Darkseid in here, but they gave us just enough while still kind of giving Steppenwolf something to do. Because Steppenwolf still is a very interesting character in and of himself which I loved the version of Steppenwolf they got, that we got here. For me, one of the first things I noticed was that his eyes, his eyes were particularly striking. So, so, so expressive. You know, his desperation to obtain the approval of Darkseid and get back home gives us a very sympathetic villain here. Also got to experience the grind and the frustration he had to get the other mother boxes. Every time that he called back home, talking to Desaad, talking to Darkseid, going back to his eyes, like just what they were able to capture with his eyes in this was absolutely remarkable to me. 
and also his armor. This is this is such an interesting armor, y'all. It's almost as if the armor is reflective and even ex- uh, an extension of his emotions. So when talking to Desaad, he has no spikes whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then when Darkseid shows up, like that's his most vulnerable state there. So what does the armor do? Completely recoils, goes away. Mm-hmm. All you see is Steppenwolf's skin, just devoid of armor. But in battle, we get the prickly guy. The prickly guy. We get the prickly guy again. And I think almost grouping Steppenwolf with his armor and what his armor is doing, I, that, that was just such a unique way of presenting the character and the emotions that he's going through and where he's at. So what did y'all think of Darkseid, Steppenwolf, and what we got in uh, the Snyder Cut? Reb, let's start with you here. That That is a very interesting and well-informed history of Darkseid, which sounds very interesting from your point of view. And I, I honestly, from what I gather from other iterations of Darkseid, he is... A, ma- a major, uh, how my mother would say it, a bad mamma jamma. But, um, and, <laughs> and uh, in this movie, I feel like, even though with everything going on, I feel like I haven't been given enough evidence of Darkseid's character. And all we hear and see of him is this omniscient demonic figure who has who has had history with Earth thousands and thousands of years ago or, or more. And and we, we've seen that he's powerful and that he's searching for something to give him more power. Whereas with Thanos, he, he's slowly being built up throughout the Marvel Universe. You're given glimpses of and stories of Thanos from different characters in several different movies. And, and when he was finally introduced, he was, he was just downright terrifying. Uh, Thanos w- was a, initially a nobody and sought to bring some form some form of balance to the universe prior to what happened to his planet titan being destroyed out of negligence of course how thanos proceeded with that plan was the terrifying part where he goes from planet to planet committing all these genocides killing off certain numbers of inhabitants but leaving a certain certain ones alive to serve him and even going as far as kidnapping children and, and adopting him as his as his own to train and even experiment on them to be his own soldiers. Darkseid may have been the first to be conceived as the evil dictator, but but it's Thanos who I thought was the most interesting and well written and developed villain. So do, do I think they they gave Darkseid his own character? I honestly don't know because despite seeing the Snyder Snyder's cut. I'm I'm not convinced there was enough evidence. It, it was I felt like it was not built up correctly and it was too rushed and but however I still I'm a huge fan of his design and I do love the eyes and I and I was in fact very taken with the omega beams. So I want to jump off of what Dave said about the armor and the effects for that. I just thought it was very impressive uh for Steppenwolf to have that kind of reactionary dressing if we will you know there's not a whole lot of effects these days that really impress me anymore cg just the human eye can detect when something is cgi at this point cg is going to look like cg in the same way that you know a man in a suit and miniatures is just going to look like a man in a suit and miniatures it is what it is and western audiences are conditioned in a sense to not really want realism as much as want their movies to look expensive and CG just looks expensive. I mean, it, it's become the McDonald's of effects building. You know, producers want to just put as much CG in there because it's reliable and it's quick. So as a result, computer-generated effects don't really wow me like they did back in like 1993. But I got to say, the armor effects were very interesting. Just all the, what seemed like almost thousands of little pieces clicking and clanking around and like retracting and uh, the damage Superman did to it at the end was really fascinating. And I did enjoy the Steppenwolf character. I actually found him one of the more compelling characters in the movie, giving some of his backstory and his, his desire essentially to get home in a way. I mean, yeah, 
Homeward Bound, I, the incredible journey. Indeed. <laughs> he wanted, you know, he, he, he had uh, committed a crime. He was basically sent to do uh, a, a, an impossible task to absolve himself. He just happens upon something even bigger and better to get home. And, and I just thought it was, uh, that was the kind of nuance that I really appreciated about the villain and could have used a little bit more for the heroes as well, instead of just full on, you know, redundancy over who they were and what they were trying to accomplish. There, there was just enough nuance in Steppenwolf to make me think, man, that was, that was a really cool, like minor detail that just spoke volumes and it worked really well. And if you think about it, technically he did get home. (laughs) Well, part of them. <laughs> no, no, both yeah, pieces. Both pieces. Both pieces get home? No, now hold on. Did the horn get home? Oh. It's yeah. okay, so like 99.5% yeah. of him got home. <laughs> That's a good point. Headward bound. <laughs> I love how Desaad uh, mentioned that Darkseid Steppenwolf has failed us, and he's like right there on the floor, headless with it. With Darkseid's foot on top of Steppenwolf's head, I, I feel like Darkseid should have said, "No kidding, really? He failed? Are you sure? Let's ask him." Hey, Steppenwolf, have you failed us? <laughs> Some weird mix of like Deadpool and Tropic Thunder. <laughs> you just you, you know you really suck when you get stabbed by Aquaman kicked by Superman, your head chopped off by Wonder Woman, and your own nephew crushes your head <laughs> within five seconds of each other. That's a bad day. Sounds like Thanksgiving at my house. <laughs> <laughs> JR, are you okay? <laughs> you know the answer to that. Just his head. Oh, man. And there's this one shot that I just, I, I really want to call out with Dark Side where he's just sitting on the throne, sitting there thinking to himself. It, it reminds me a lot, and I feel like it pulls from uh, Conan the Barbarian, where at the end, like Conan's just sitting on the, th- the throne thinking. I, I really just like that that one shot of, of Darkseid. I thought that was beautiful. But you're probably wondering, what is he thinking? Man, what is he thinking? And I'm thinking... <laughs> A thought came to my head. It was like, did I leave the stove on? (laughs) (laughs) I need more lamentations. (laughs) What's Darkseid thinking? Put that cookie down! Now! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I had something for you guys. Was there anything... You thought playing the comparison game because I'm not afraid to do that. Is there anything that you thought the theatrical cut did better than the Snyder cut? Green Lantern. I really like the scene where they're on their way to Steppenwolf's summer home, and Aquaman sits on the lasher <laughs> of Hestia. Um, I, I, I still that that scene sticks out for me so much because I really love how much that says about where Aquaman is at mentally. He has sort of like this, this one profound line where he talks about how he's never really accepted home as, you know, land or the sea. And I think that's really telling of where he's at in his own personal journey that I really think that that's something that I would have loved to have also seen in the Snyder cut, but you know, since it's in the theatrical cut, like I think that was absolutely outstanding. And obviously there's a lot of funny moments in there as well. I like that as Aquaman's moment to shine because, you know, we do in the Snyder cut get some more of Aquaman's story. And for me, at least I sort of saw like a little bit of a parallel journey with what Cyborg was experiencing as well not cutting himself off from either from either world like land or the sea and eventually finding himself among family you know that just that one scene would have added a lot to tying a bow on oh you know this is what i'm doing and i want to this is how i'm going to change that 
And then, you know, in the Snyder Cut, he's like, I'm going to see my dad. I'm going to play hypocrite for a little bit because I know at the beginning of recording this, I was like, yay, darker stuff. But I did miss some of the comical beats that the first one had where, you know, the house is being swarmed by all the parademons and the little girl pulls out the wasp spray. And uh, when they're trying to save people from the inevitable explosion that's going to happen and Barry runs out with a truck full of like three people and Superman moves a house full of like or an office building full of like 50 people. I did miss some of those comical beats, but in, you know, I mentioned it earlier, the Batman line, just save one person. I did miss stuff like that. I missed a little bit of the heart that Joss Whedon did try to give it, but at the same time, don't make Batman the comic relief. Well, JR, you mentioned how the story was kind of needed to be dark, but I don't think this story doesn't require darkness. Uh, like, like, okay, the Dark Knight trilogy was dark because the story required them to be dark. Justice League is a story about multicolored superheroes using powers and vehicles against an army of alien foot soldiers led by a massive monster who is later destroyed, much to the dismay of his disgruntled alien master. A storyline that has been done 700 times in 20-minute intervals on Power Rangers. (laughs) You can't tell me this needs to be dark. Uh, This was just dark to be dark. The Avengers did a a near-identical storyline, also involving cube-like objects, or MacGuffin, and was both shorter and lighter. Uh, This this goes into a conversation that we've had several times, you and I, where... It's kind of the DC over Marvel preference, whereas DC tends to go a little darker with their material. DC, uh, Marvel tends to go a little lighter, so which is fine. Yeah, it's fine. And I'm not it's saying fine. I'm not saying the movie has to be 100 percent dark. I just when I saw the movie initially, the Ween cut, it felt like Avengers. It felt like I had seen the carbon copy of Avengers. So I appreciated this one being slightly darker i'm not saying different totally different yeah totally different i'm not saying it had to be black eyeliner cut my life into pieces but (laughs) when i was i'm so proud of you right now (laughs) i just fell more in love with you (laughs) when i was a young boy well i took an intentional direction this weekend just in case someone brought this up because yes i (laughs) i watched the snyder cut twice and then i watched the theatrical cut in between both and looked at dave because he didn't watch it with me i looked at dave and i was like i feel like somebody's gonna ask to play the comparison game so i'm just gonna come up with a defense just in case and if I use it, I use it. If I don't, I don't. It's fine. So here we are. We cannot look at these movies as the same movies. But we also cannot look at these movies as, as different movies. I personally believe that these movies are a comparison to each other. And they complement each other in ways that we have not seen before. If we look at it in the sense of one sucked, one was good. Or one's a lesser of the other. Or even in the sense of like one has a more lighthearted usefulness to it and the other one's super dark and for adults. Like it doesn't matter which way you look at it. I think that these movies really complement each other in the sense of the theatrical version. And Rebecca, I know you have a different kind of introduction to this and you didn't watch the theatrical version. But I think the theatrical version itself complements the Snyder Cut and vice versa. I feel like I was able to sit through the four hours and really chew on all of the newness that the Snyder Cut gave me because I already had the bones of the movie in my back pocket ready to go. And then when I watched the theatrical version, I was able to pick up details that I, yes, missed, but also was like, oh, I'm really glad that they went a different direction with this in the Snyder Cut opposed to what we have now. So now we have two layers. For example, in the theatrical cut of 
Justice League, we have Victor, who is struggling with being a cyborg. Now, now, very specific on those words. He's struggling being a robot, a cyborg. Whereas in the Snyder Cut, we don't have to go on that journey of discovering how to utilize his new powers. He's already kind of on that cusp of, I get it a little bit. He's now struggling being the hero cyborg. He's struggling with his internal heart self opposed to his machine self. How he uses those powers, you know, thinking about the conversation he had with Mm -hmm. Diana. Yeah. And I don't think I would have appreciated that if I didn't now have a theatrical version that tells me kind of one story of Cyborg and now a Snyder cut that tells me a different story of Cyborg and gives me a little bit more of the taste of Cyborg. And yeah, we can sit here all day and say, you know, I wish that we had this particular set of dialogue in this movie, or I miss I miss the fact that Bruce was a little more like lighthearted in the first one, and now he's a little bit more of like a silent leader in the second er, in this one. Or we can sit back and say that I really like the way that the colors of the costumes pop in the theatrical version versus where we uh, versus the Snyder cut where everything is dark. But I think it's safe and fair to say. We can like both. We can appreciate both, no matter which way we want to look at it. We can look at it in the sense of this is now a multiverse type movie. We have two movies that are parallel universes that work together. Option. We can look at it and say, oh, the theatrical version is a great version to show younger audience to get them interested in this. And when they're old enough to watch a rated R version of a DC movie with gore, cussing, and lots of other things, they can now watch the theat- or the, the Snyder Cut. We can just chalk it up to say they're two different movies. Or one's Bones, one's Spark Notes, one's the actual novel. But I think it would be a disservice to, to like the crew and... Whedon and Snyder and ourselves if we sat here and nitpicked all these details that honestly we can appreciate in both because they complement each other. That was actually thought provoking. I'm shocked. Um, It's not. (laughs) I was fully expecting DJ to go wrong. (laughs) No. And that's, and, and part of me asking this question was to kind of, see if anyone was going to give that kind of answer, quite frankly, because all I see right now is just how much more the theatrical version sucks and just how much of an improvement the Snyder cut is. And I was wondering, okay, is anyone going to be brave enough to say there are parts of the theatrical cut that they, they did enjoy? Or is anyone going to be even more brave and say, maybe we can like both? And I think that was a very, you know, strong response, a very thought provoking response because I, you know, throwing one under the bus just to elevate the other isn't how you look at uh, these movies thoughtfully. I and agree. I, while I think there yeah. is, while I think there is definitely some merit to playing the comparison game, because let's be honest, they're both called Justice League. They both have the exact same actors. We know the backstory behind this. I also think that maybe, just maybe, there are some strengths and weaknesses in both that are different. You know, for example, I thought Bruce's reasoning for recruiting before the mother box uh, search was established was kind of flimsy in the Snyder cut. I just didn't get it. You know, why was he recruiting? He had a, he had a feeling that something bad might happen, but he didn't know. Maybe he felt he owed Clark something. I don't know. But in the theatrical cut, you know, it, it establishes from the very beginning that something is after these MacGuffins and he starts recruiting in response to that. And, you know, I, I can't say that everything Whedon did with the theatrical cut was complete garbage because of minor things like that that I thought worked. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I feel like go after watching the Snyder cut and then watching the theatrical version, I appreciated the theatrical version even more. And like in the, you know, in, in the beginning, I said, I, I'm going to stand by DC, good, bad and indifferent. But I really got to see the intention and see what Whedon did with what little he had to like work with. 
And and I appreciated it. While I'm not the biggest Marvel fan, and I know he does a lot of Marvel movies, I'm not a big Marvel fan. I appreciated the attempt he made and the the work he did for the theatrical version after watching the Snyder Cut because I see he did everything he could with what he was given. And I appreciated that. And I appreciated the actual movie itself more after watching both. I mean, like, oh, these are actually both really complimentary of each other. The end. That's interesting. Yes. I'm really glad I spent several hours last <laughs> night writing that up. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't go to waste. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think this is a good jumping off point here to kind of close, start closing things out. You know, when we do think about the Whedon cut and uh, the opportunities it may or may not afford us as fans, as viewers of the DC EU, thinking about what place does the Whedon cut have in the DCEU? And, you know, just thinking about the DCEU at large, like, where do we go from here? Like, what comes next? Thinking about what we have with the Snyder cut. Personally, I'm wondering what is with this obsession with superheroes having all these cubes? I mean, for Avengers, the Tesseract, so- Justice League, the Mother Boxes, Transformers, the Allspark. Uh, it, it's, oh, they're all cubes. Superheroes are cubes. such squares. <laughs> Nerds! Nerds! Oh. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously the, the Snyder Cut sets a precedent with what the, the, what sort of influence the fans can have and what powers the directors have over the studios and things like that. And, but it, you know, precedents don't have to be followed. This could be a one-off shot here. We don't have to continue down this road, but I would be curious to hear what, where you guys would like to see this go from here as well. I would like to see the weed and cut still be considered a canonized asset to the DCEU in its own direction and utilize that as a multiverse, as a different layer, as a different universe or a different parallel thing. And I think it would it would be really cool to see them go down more of this younger version, this more appeals to the younger audience in parallel to what Zack Snyder has set up for us. Let's not throw it away. I'm just wondering, why are we asking what's going to happen to the theatrical cut? Because we don't know if the Snyder cut is going to be what they're jumping off of. Uh, Zack Snyder has even said that, you know, after this, he's done. Uh, there's pr- likely not going to be a Justice League 2 or 3 out of him. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if the su- success of this release will springboard, you know, the, the, the things he set up in that terrible epilogue. But it, it makes me wonder, is there, is there a future for the Snyder cut, really? Well, he, he talked about how he's written the next part already. He has it written, but is anyone going to let him make it? That's that's sort of what I was going off of. And, and that's, I don't know. I just don't know. Because there's so many rumors flying about uh, how Warner Brothers didn't want this cut to be released because they kind of resent that this is happening because um, they don't want to have like come out wrong about this whole thing. And I I don't know, with just all that power, all this ego and these studio heads kind of like pushing back against that. I, I don't know if we're going to see anything that he set up in the last 30 minutes of his cut. I think it would be, and this is just my opinion. We can even call this the tail wagon. <laughs> I think it would be a huge blow to Warner brothers. If they didn't utilize and capitalize on this opportunity to continue to grow the DCEU this way. And I think they would be, I think we see what the fans and audience can already do by begging for the Snyder Cut and now we have it. If they don't continue on this, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if things go south very quickly. I mean, this is the studio that has maybe killed the theatrical going experience, so it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of ego going on with Warner Brothers, Time Warner, AT&T. And I'm not optimistic about them following up on the Snyder Cut. But at the same time, the Snyder Cut exists, and I didn't think it ever would. 
So do you mind if I backtrack a little bit here? Because I have I have thoughts on the continuation of uh, the DC universe. Go right ahead, sir. That's 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 what we're talking about now. Like, where where does the DCEU go from here? As far as like, where does the movie leave off and all that? And I did something I probably shouldn't have done, but I I had a hunch. So Dave, live. Last time I was on Pizza and Parsecs, we discussed Justice League Apocalypse War, and yep. I. After watching the Snyder Cut, I was like, I wonder. I just, I I had a wonder. So I popped in this movie, and the parallels between them are amazing. Cyborg kind of goes full circle with his acceptance of being both man and machine. He kind of realizes his purpose. And furthermore, you've got the whole thing with the nightmare of diana essentially dying in the future well in justice league or dark apocalypse she actually kind of dies herself only to be resurrected as a minion of dark side and i don't know what what i'm trying to say is i guess that these parallels kind of work on its own where it's maybe in some universe that this could be a sequel Maybe given some time passing and all that, where Darkseid does plan on a full frontal assault, it, it could be a universe where the DC animated movies and the DC uh, live action movies actually coexist and can play off each other. And I think that would be a very, very interesting way to go because D- the DC animated movies are phenomenal. And I yep. actually prefer those over the no live action movies. So I, I would I would be hopeful to see this play out this way. Yeah, I would love to see uh, Dark Side War, um, you know, the comic book Dark Side War or the DCA or not the DCAU, but the DC animated movie Apocalypse War as a potential sequel to this. Which, that would be so cool. And I, I know that we also talked about how the influence of Justice League Dark Side War on what we were potentially going to be getting with the Snyder Cut at the time. We didn't know we were going to be getting the Snyder Cut. So, I mean, good call on going back and revisiting that movie because that kind of sets you up for potentially what you could be getting next. You know that that is the anti-life saga uh, that that you see in Dark Side War, which is super interesting. It is very dark. It's uh, yeah. As long as I get Raven, I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> Amen to that. I'm all for that. Just give me a whole movie for Raven. That would be nice. Oh yeah. Bring Tara Strong back. Mm. Yes. but i think overall like it's 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 of course to stay grounded and realistic in these things like and to definitely take what gj talked about into consideration here um with you know what may or may not actually happen with the snyder cut like that could just be shelved um that timeline that storyline what what precedent it set um, but as the fan, as a fanboy, and as a fan of the DC universe, and the opportunities that the Snyder Cut affords for expansion, I want that. I want that so much, and I want it in IMAX. I want Omega Beams in IMAX. Give it all to me, please. <laughs> Thank you. Sign me up. Agreed. <laughs> what about you, Rebecca? Honestly, I I wouldn't mind uh, seeing a sequel with Martian Manhunter in it and and the Green Lantern introducing Hal Jordan for once. Um, but after hearing that we're never going to get another one of Zack Snyder's sequels and the epilogue was useless, according to JJ, uh, I, 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 I'm kind of like, huh. Well, we'll see what happens, I guess. 
honestly, I, I'm just I'm just happy this happened. Basically, I just like to I'm trying to stay in the now and not worry about tomorrow and forget about yesterday. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. Oh, my problem seems so far. Yeah. No, I, in, in some ways, it was kind of a genius move on Snyder's part to leave it on, you know, basically make a four hour commercial for the next Justice League movie we'll never get. But I don't, I, I just can't say, understanding studio executives like I do, having met a few as well, they don't care whether or not you've left a massive cliffhanger or not, they care about their agenda over anything and how much money that agenda is going to make. And if they don't see it as viable, they're not going to do it. I don't know if any of you read this, but Zack Snyder, he completed this for free. Yeah, this, yeah. Whole, he was this not, whole movie was pro bono. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he was that. not paid for this. Part of the reason he was not paid for this, he didn't want to be paid for it, is because he wanted to, you know, he wanted this movie to be his distinct vision. Practically, he can't do that again. Right. Well, no, he wouldn't make a living. Right, and, and practically, he can't make a f- another four-hour movie. So I, I don't know where this is heading. Quite frankly, all I know is I, I want, I like the characters, and whether we get this iteration or some other iteration, I'm open for more, and I just hope they're good movies. I mean, I'm not, I'm not hoping for another four-hour movie. God, no, of course not. I just <laughs> well, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just a, a a continuation of some sort. Just animated. Uh, dare I ask any other final thoughts before we wrap things up here? I strongly disagree with GJ, but are we surprised? No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not I'm, at all. I'll just leave it at that. I'm glad I got more than a Green Lantern flying away. <laughs> yeah, the best thing in the whole wide world. He lost his hand. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You and limbs. I love limbs coming and flying off. My favorite. <laughs> All right. Well, Drift Space, guys, truly a pleasure to have you guys on here. Happy belated anniversary to you. Thank you yep. for letting us be a part, uh, a part two of your anniversary episode. So grateful for you guys on a personal level. Thank you guys so much. Should you be patting yourself on the back yeah I, you, the <laughs> it's kind of weird <laughs> are you stroking we'll your dismembered limb uh no i'm not i'm i i i am i am guest on two awesome shows here are you so, the aquaman not quite land aquaman. lover not quite sea lover i have not found home in land <laughs> or sea <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness thank you guys so much for jumping over here on pizza and parsecs to geek out with us over here real quick for um our listeners out there where can we find you guys again i'm g you can find me on twitter at gman of steroid and you can check out uh my new Substack called deferential wrath of a rusting markalite cannon at markalite.substack.com where i talk about how lame harry potter is <laughs> Sounds fake still. Fake news. You just you just took the wind out of my sails by saying that. I, I steal yours on the <laughs> Harry Potter's awesome. And I'm JR. JJ's wrong. <laughs> the end. I'm turning everyone against you, GJ. One person at a time. Liv, this is a fight we've been having long before you showed up. <laughs> one I'm, that nearly ended up jr drowned <laughs> or did amber heard take the 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 moisture out of you <laughs> that's why i haven't been drinking enough water flashbacks and i'm jr you can find me on instagram where i do cosplays that's little man cosplay i'm also on twitter where i rant about spider-man power rangers and currently danny phantom you can find me there at little man says underscore one. And I'm Rebecca, the sane one. If you want to check out my <laughs> artwork, you can find me on the Linktree app, linktr.ee slash reb.hudge. And you can find our show, The Drift Space, at bit.ly slash TDS links and all your other favorite podcatchers like Anchor, Google iTunes. Is it iTunes or is it called I, I like iCast or something? Apple iPod. Pod. 
Apple Pod. I, I still call it iTunes. I don't the care. Pur- the purple, <laughs> the purple icon. Yes. Apple Pod is too long and sounds lame. iTunes and uh, <laughs> Spotify. Once again, thank you guys so much. It's been truly a pleasure having you guys over here. It's been okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, lad. I'm just kidding. It was fun. <laughs> and listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Pizza and Parsecs. I'm Dave. I'm Liv. And you can check out our show on the Red 5 Network. We didn't have a segue this time. You didn't I thought, even get to say aforementioned. I know. It's so sad. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate no segues here. I, I forgot that you were probably going to do one, so it's okay. Okay. But we are <laughs> proud to call the Red 5 Network home. And make sure you head over to red5network.com to check out our brothers and sisters over there. If you like geek stuff, Star Wars sci-fi and the like that's where you can find some other great pods in addition to uh ourselves so you can find us there or on pizza and parsecs.com if you would be ever so kind because we are desperate for validation head on over to itunes and leave us a five-star rate and review so that i can read them the next time my wife leaves for valentine's day oh my gosh you keep saying we i don't need the validation it's fine i know i'm cool (laughs) So leave Dave a five star review. Just just say Dave, you you're you're pretty cool. <laughs> I don't care. Wait, 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 wait. it goes just up kidding. to five stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is awkward. <laughs> uh, or if you hated the show, still leave us a five star. And then tell him you're here for me. <laughs> yes, you know it's a great way to get the word out. We're still a small podcast and gets us on the recommended lists, and it's great for that on the iTunes. We have social networks. We're at Pizza and Parsecs on your Twitters, your Instagrams, your Facebooks. We don't use Facebooks because we found it to be pretty much useless. So (laughs) pretty much just Twitter and Instagram, mostly Twitter. There you can give us all the hollers you've got, and we always holler back. Holla! And as always, folks, thank you guys so much for joining us. Mischief managed. May the force be with you, and God bless. And always stay strapped. (laughs) 